Kia ora, and welcome to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast, brought to you by CoreLogic, produced by Agents TV, for the 16th of January, 2023. I'm Head of Research, Nick Goodall, and I'm joined by our Chief Economist, Calvin Davidson, down in Christchurch. Calvin, how was your weekend, mate, and uh, and first week back at work, or proper yeah, week? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, weekend was good, and all sort of family stuff, we just did little bits and pieces, and and yeah, back at work, it's uh, it was a pretty busy first week, got to say, you sort of come back after the holidays, and, and things have, have, have sort of piled up a bit, deadlines to meet, and reports to write. Um, but nah, good. It's great to be back in it. I love my job, so uh, I'm in a I'm in a happy situation of enjoying work. So actually, um, you know, you come back to the desk, and and sometimes better than being on holiday. So not going good. How about you? Yeah, great, great to hear. Yeah, that's right, mate. Yeah, first proper weekend camping or one night anyway uh, with the kids. Um, our youngest is almost three now, so we sort of thought, yep, now's the time to give it a crack. So one night out in Kaitoki, out uh, up a. Upper Hutt or the back of Upper Hutt there, but it went really well, um, pretty much fault-free. So, yeah, certainly the uh, testing um, camping we wanted and, uh, you know, now feel comfortable and, and able to to book a longer one. So, yeah, well, hopefully, uh, you know, later this summer and even maybe into that autumn, we'll um, we'll get a, a chance to go away for a couple of nights. Uh, but we went away with it. some friends of ours who've got similar age kids and kids loved it, uh, went pretty well and everyone slept decent night's sleep. So, yeah, not much more you can ask. Um, ask for and um, yeah, bit buggered coming back yesterday, but uh, good night's sleep last night and and back into it today. And yep, heading to Auckland for a couple of days for work. So, uh, it definitely feels like you know, we're kicking back into action now and um, plenty going on. So, yeah, it's um, it's all go. Nice one, yeah. I've well, done, done the odd bit of camping here and there, but like, like we've perhaps talked about before, taking the caravan away. There's, there's certain things come with it, you've got to deal with uh, other campers, and and uh, you mentioned snoring before was uh, something you can't change about about uh, being away camping. It's uh, a, a sort of uh, hazard of, of going away, I guess. Indeed, yeah, you can't pick your neighbors, and uh, yeah, depending <laughs> on you know what's going on, yeah, we had we had a loud snoring next door to us, which wasn't ideal when you wake up in the middle of the night, but uh, again, <laughs> not not the worst thing, and um, managed to drift off again, so yeah, we'll we'll live, but um, let's get into it, mate. We actually had a bit of um data and information come out last week. The one that we forgot to mention last week was actually that we released the triple CI, the Cordell Construction Cost Index, um, around building costs. Um, so you took that one to media last week. Overall, I suppose, what record annual growth. Um, but there, there are those signs that we're seeing that uh, you know the, the the increase in building costs is starting to wane as we move through the year. Um, but yeah, how'd the media coverage for that one go? What are the overall statistics and and the general feel for what's happening in that building sector, Calvin? Yeah, the, so the, like you said, the the annual growth was a record high, ten point four percent. That's for basically the the calendar year, two thousand and twenty two. Uh, but the quarterly increase still pretty strong, one point seven percent in the in the final quarter of last year. But that was a bit slower than it's been in the prior two or three quarters. So you know maybe we've sort of passed that peak for growth, uh, and that, as that sort of quarterly growth rate slows down, we'll see that annual growth rate slow down as well. So you know maybe sort of the silver lining for people was that the growth rate is is probably poised to slow, and that's partly sort of mathematical, but also just out in the real world. You know, the activities showing signs of slowing down and anecdotal probably to date, but but certainly some signs that it's it's going to slow. And you know, no surprises, interest rates are up, the, the costs themselves are up, it's getting more expensive to build. So, you know, there's there's perhaps a little bit of silver lining there. But I suppose questions from journalists were around, well, you know, is it a good time to build? You know, should 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 people be building now or waiting, whatever? And I guess 
uh, a lot comes down to personal circumstances. And, and I was pretty careful to point out, hopefully, that we're talking here about a, a slower growth rate, you know, a slower rate of increase, not necessarily construction getting cheaper, because it's it's kind of pretty hard to see that happening. So, yeah, that's it's more about that slower growth rate rather than costs falling. And so I was try, hopefully trying to make that reasonably clear. Uh, so, yeah, I, I suppose that's we're at that juncture where it's, it's a turning point. You know, costs are perhaps showing signs of a slowdown. Activity itself slows down. That will that will feed through eventually to to that full-on cost growth slowdown. So, um, yeah, 2023, I think, will look different to 2022, that's for sure. But I wouldn't necessarily be hanging out for, for a cheaper build, basically. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good summary. I mean, you obviously are a busy man doing lots of interviews last week because I even got some spillover co- uh, questions coming to me, um, <laughs> did one or two interviews. And I think that the thing that, you know, the questions came around, you know, what are the pressures actually reducing? And I think, yeah, we know that the cost of materials, you know, the, the pressures on those in terms of the um, supply chain has reduced. So we're not seeing that same pressure on that side of things. You know, demand you know, is likely to slow, although we've been talking about this for a while, but we do think with the nervousness out there in terms of people wanting to commit to those new builds, those consenting figures will start to slow down. Yes, we've only seen a, a very minor slowdown in the last couple of months, but that will start to slow down. Of course, the industry is still very full with that pipeline of consents to be built over the next 6 to 12 to 18 months. Um, but commitments to build in the future will de- definitely slow down. We know there's been some nervousness of buyers or people that want to build, um, because they've seen some vulnerability in the industry with some you know, liquidations in the industry and also that length of time to build as well and um, how that is quite long now and you know how long are you pre-approved for if it's longer than 12 months if you builds can take longer than 12 months and you can only be pre-approved for 12 months then you're not sure what's going to cost you in the future so with costs still increasing albeit at a lower slower pace you know that that means that people might be less inclined to commit to building a new property too so i think there are those signs of change um, and then I suppose reiterating the point that, you know, for builders and construction firms, one of their key concerns still is securing labor to actually get people to build these properties. You know, so I think it's that side of things as well, which is actually starting to show the pressure from a builder's perspective, as opposed to them being concerned about cost increases, it's about securing labor to actually build. And so that's a really, really um important part for them at the moment anyway. Um uh, uh, anything else to add from that, Calvin? Uh, otherwise, dwelling consents, we did get some data last week for November. We did see them tracking lower again, albeit only very slightly. Yeah, yeah, nothing too much else to add on, on the triple CI, but yeah, dwelling consents, and that's part of it. You know, this is like we talked about the slowdown coming part of it is watching those dwelling consents, and eventually that flows through to actual workloads. Uh, the builders will be busy getting through what's already been approved, of course, but. Yeah, new dwelling consents uh, just showing signs of that slowdown. We saw them fall in uh, October, 12% down year on year, and the latest numbers for November down 1% year on year. So, uh, you know, not much of a fall, but still showing signs of of decline. So maybe just at that turning point for dwelling consents flows through to actual workloads and flows through to costs. So, um, yeah, it's all sort of pointing in the same direction, but we're just sort of not quite there yet. So, um, yeah, one one to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we're still surprised by how much the consents have, ha- have held up. Um, but yes, there are signs of that slowing down. I suppose that's that's only natural. It's just interesting to us that it's happened a little bit later and a little bit slower than we were expecting. Um, 
Okay, mate. Well, moving on to the other release, or data that we got anyway, was that late, late last week, we did get an update for our buyer classification data in terms of who was active buying in December. Um, I think the key number one point was first home buyers really, really strong, increasing to 26%, which again was like a, an absolute peak for them. Um, I haven't like gone through the four and a half analysis this time around but I'm, I'm sure i've noted in the past over these summer months that this often happens for first-time buyers where they're more likely to continue looking and buying over that holiday period as things start to slow down first-time buyers don't tend to as much as other buyer groups um you know these less emotional buyers maybe they're happy to take that break and be like you know not going to bother over the slower period i'll come back in the new year and then start to look if it's investors or movers whereas first-time buyers if you're looking to buy you don't really want to take any too much time out of that because you don't want to miss your bargain or um, miss the house that you really want to buy so it do does tend to see first-time buyers share of sales increase over that period of time and i think that especially now while that desperation is low those other buyers, you know, they're really in no panic to, to stay active in the market when, you know, prices are falling, listings are still increasing, overall stock's pretty high. And so there's no real harm for them taking the, you know, two, four, six week break, whatever it might be. Um, but certainly that's the thing that jumped out at me was that first home buyer strength. And, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that there's all these first home buyers piling into the market either. Um, you know, all, all buyer groups are reducing. It's just the first home buyer share of sales or their numbers haven't dropped by as much as the others and so their share of sales increases so i think we need to point that one out as well um we might we might delve into this in a bit more detail over the coming weeks or whatever and i'm sure it'll feature in our our quarterly report coming out next week um but anything that jumped out at you um from that quick view of that data that you might have looked at uh, late last week or even this morning yeah not so much the figures themselves I and mean, i was just going to say you know keep in mind first time buyer market share is up but it's in a quiet market you know so the, the number of purchases is, is kind of lower than it has been uh but yeah i guess a couple of other points is, is sort of reduced competition from from other buyer groups you know maybe a few few less um buyers out there over the holiday period but also more generally you know there's there's those cost pressures and and revenue pressures i guess from an investor side of things so so how to get the sums to stack up for that buyer group uh, and movers potentially sort of just staying where they are as well but uncertain about things you know how long is it going to take me to sell my property i, I don't really want to list uh, and get out get out there in the market so yeah there's, there's perhaps a bit less activity from other other buyers i mean it's self-evident you know it becomes a bit circular we know it from the buyer classification stats but also there's there are sort of real world reasons why it would be the case and, and i guess yeah prices are full all of the property types are back in reach uh, or the same property type for a cheaper price so it's, it's perhaps you know just brought things back into their into their sort of view again and so yeah there's there's some real world reasons for it um and, and yeah great for first home buyers and yeah, you know, certainly when we run, it'll be interesting to see how things pan out. You know, there are first time buyers, I think, will continue to do whatever they can to get into the market. So we'll expect their activity to, you know, hold on as much as they can throughout the next few quarters. Um, but really interesting to see what a move is doing, you know, what is their ability to, you know, get bridging finance or, you know, the whole problem with buying and selling or selling first and buying or buying first and then selling. 
um, and then maybe having to hold on to a house that you can't sell for the price you need or want to. So questions around what happens in that part of the market. And of course, investors, we know the pressures are high on them. So that'll be the intriguing thing to watch is, is that mix of buyers and, and what happens with those other groups as we come back. Maybe, you know, maybe it'll wait till after Waitangi weekend when we start to see those buyer groups come back to any great degree. And even then, it's going to be dependent on, yeah, how's the market shaping up? What's the outlook for interest rates, um, job market, all those things as well. So yeah, certainly going to continue to be one of our most valuable data sets and one that we will pay close, close attention to and no doubt write plenty about in the future too. So yep, that'll be a key one as we move throughout the year. Um, speaking of keeping their jobs, mate, the other piece of data we got last week was from Stats New Zealand, um, filled jobs for November. So there's an early look on the market. Um, even though it's still for November, it's prior to any other sort of labour market stats. Um, one that we'll again be watching very, very closely. What did you pick up from that release, Calvin? What are the high-level figures? And uh, yeah, how are we feeling about that job market this year? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I was perhaps anticipating these numbers might be a bit weaker. We, we had originally seen a, a flat result for filled jobs in October. When, so when they originally reported, it was it was no change. And that was the first time jobs hadn't risen for sort of six or seven months. So, you know, just wary of that risk that we might see a, another flat result or, or a fall in, in field jobs even in, in November's results. But in the event, they went up again and October's flat result was revised up. So in October, it was revised up from zero to 0.2% increase, you know, not much, but still a 0.2% increase. And November's increase was 0.2% as well. So basically, we've we've still got jobs growth. You know, it's it's still a still a good result that, that it went against maybe my the slight fears in the back of my mind. So people are still hiring. Yeah, you, know, you can look at these numbers and say, well, you know, good result. Maybe could be even stronger if there were more people to hire. You know, we know that that skill shortages are still out there and unemployment's low for now. So yeah, you can look at it probably in, in a number of positive ways actually and, and so you know good result and um, obviously not preventing sort of further housing market weakness but at least uh, preventing that weakness from from turning into something even worse uh, so that's been pretty good for the property market uh, I, I mean it's it's a huge indicator this year we know reserve banks anticipating rising unemployment you know that's the thing that could trigger those those sort of second round effects in the housing market I guess with with negative equity then becoming a problem if people are losing jobs uh, you know, mortgage repayment issues. So it's a real key indicator to to keep an eye on, obviously, for how this how this housing market downturn plays out. You know, does it come to an end this year? I think a lot of that depends on what happens in the labour market. So it's it's going to be hugely important. But for now, you know, still still going good, strong result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good to see. Good to hear. You know, I mean, um, I think from any perspective you like, it's it's good to see people and and work and fill jobs increasing. So, um, yeah, certainly a good one to to lock down <clears throat> excuse me um cool mate well let's have a look to um what's coming up and um one maybe one that people start to see coverage now i know that we've just sent it to media was sort of an opinion piece you wrote uh, last week which has gone to media today um and really it's just a, a relatively short article kind of an opinion piece on the state of the market from our lending and particularly from a regulation perspective around the loan to value ratio uh, rules and whether we might see change this year um, I think there's a lot of stuff that we've probably spoken about, you know, in the end of last year and maybe even last week. But anything else, sort of, as you're writing that, that you want to get across, just firming your thoughts up around people's expectation for lending regulation this year. Mm, yeah, I've I've uh, already had a call from Radio New Zealand about this this morning, and the first question was, um, well, 
have you heard something? You know, why are you putting this out now? Are you, are you trying to get ahead of the curve? And it's like, no, no, we haven't heard anything. You know, there's no speculation. Um, it really is just a wrap up of of kind of thoughts, you know, getting it in one place and sort of putting a view out there. So, I mean, the view is that they won't loosen LVRs this year. That's uh, that's sort of the whole the whole point of it. And I think there's there's a few things in there that, that people can obviously read about, but you know, we've talked quite a bit about how a key factor for me is is simply, well, would you really want to do that in a in a falling market? Why would you allow more people in with lower deposit? When house prices are falling and just raises that risk of, of negative equity. So that seems to be a pretty strong motivation. And also, really, if seeing that at the moment, you know, mortgage sales are still low, uh, all the, you know, non-performing loan ratios at the banks are still low. So it's not really, it's not like there's any trigger to really look at LVRs. Things are sort of ticking over. Um, and there has been a suggestion that, well, you know, LVRs really hamper first home buyers. So shouldn't we loosen them to to allow more first home buyers in? And and really it sounds kind of harsh, but that's Reserve Bank doesn't care about that. That's not their that's not their concern. You know, it doesn't matter to them what buyer groups are active and what aren't. You know, it's it's more about that wider financial stability. And in any case, as we've just talked about, first home buyers actually have a pretty high market share. So, you know, there's not uh, there's no real reason there that I can see for them to to loosen anytime soon. Certainly, scope to loosen early next year when it looks pretty likely when uh, debt to income ratio caps will be introduced. That that could be when they sort of give with one hand and take with the other. So um, so yeah, that's the sort of key message from that. And and yeah, it's 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 out there on the website now. It was has been emailed to some people. So if you're on the list, um, so yeah, have a have a look. Yeah, I'll I'll put the full link. Um, to the article on in the show notes anyway, if you do want to go and check out that piece, but otherwise you might see some coverage of it elsewhere. Um, like I say, I, I think, well, like I mean, the point you made out in terms of why you wrote the article, um, I do think there was, you know, starting to become some discussion last year, end of last year, as to what of the future of LVRs. So it was kind of a wrap-up of that and to get ahead of the game in terms of whether there will be speculation later. And I think for all the reasons you've spoken about, that covers off why we don't think it'll occur um, and, and I think just reiterating that point that, yeah, what are the Reserve Bank tasked with? It's about financial stability. That's why they're there. Um, and unless, you know, unless removing them or, or um, loosening them is going to improve financial stability, which I can't see that being the case, um, then we're not going to see that happen. So I think it's just good to wrap that up and and set the tone at the start of the year anyway. So, yeah, worthwhile exercise. So um, that's, uh, that's a good one anyway. And I'll leave the full link to that one in the show notes. Um, otherwise, this week, a few releases coming later on in the week, Calvin. What are you looking out for um, that people can expect to see hitting the hitting the headlines later this week? Yeah, we've got uh, the Real Estate Institute figures for December on Wednesday, I believe. Uh, it's, it's never necessarily nailed down, or at least that I can see, um, but or at least that we have access to. Uh, but certainly, yeah, it looks like Wednesday for those numbers. Then we've got uh, Stats New Zealand rental data for December is due out on Thursday. So that's that's certainly one to watch. I mean, landlords will, will definitely be keeping a keen eye on those numbers. We've seen rents pretty much go flat since March, April. Um, so it'll definitely be something that, that landlords are looking at. You know, I'd expect perhaps more of the same in terms of flat rents in December. So those, those figures due out on Thursday. And then we've got net migration on Friday. That's for November numbers. So... Yeah, again, probably more of the same, similar to those rent numbers that could be flat. Uh, you know, these these migration numbers, more of the same, which could actually be continued sort of more positive numbers. We've seen net migration turn around the last few months. 
Uh, new arrivals to the country have, have been picking up. Still young New Zealanders, well, young, I mean, still New Zealanders of whatever age leaving in net terms, but those new arrivals have been offsetting it. So we've actually seen that overall net migration balance turn around. And so, yeah, probably anticipate more of the same for that as well. So um, I suppose from a landlord's perspective, I mean, good and bad could be that rents are still flat. But uh, but net migrations turning around adds a bit of property demand, but also that migration story adds to a bit of property demand in general, uh, whether you're a landlord or, or anybody, you know, it might just add a few more people to the country and a bit more property demand. So, um, so yep, some some reasonably, reasonably high, high profile numbers to watch this week. Yeah, there's some good ones in there. I think from the Real Estate Institute's index, I'm certainly interested to see what their um, index for December um, shows. I think expectation is that you know, we might actually see a little bit more weakness um, in December than we saw in November from their index. So that'll be one I'll be paying paying close attention to. Um, I think we know the volumes will be low and, and everything else, and that's probably relatively um, will be as expected. It's just what that index does to see how actual sales in December went um, as we closed out the year as well. And and there'll be plenty of coverage of that too. You know, they'll be wrapping up the year much like we did, um, you know, the start of the month. So that'll be one, I think, that'll get a bit of attention and certainly one to, to keep an eye on. But once again, I'll just stress the fact that don't worry about the median sale price. Look at what the actual um, house price index does. That'll give you a much better feel for where the market it's at um, as it closed out 2022. So yeah, keep an eye out for that one. Um, anything else on your mind, Calvin? Anything else you did last week or any other media you want to wrap up? Oh, I think that's probably it. Yes, yeah, like we talked about right at the start, it was, it was straight back into it. Uh, there's, there's certainly some media things on top of our reporting, but um, yeah, no, not too much extra to add on that. Yeah, you might, might people might see a few more um, new stuff videos. You know, I get so much abuse from people who go, you keep showing up in my stuff feed because um, we record a new video and they auto-play at the, st- the top of any sort of property article. So I've recorded a few, two new ones last week for stuff. So um, at least I'll be refreshed from the ones that I think I did in November so you don't see the same one over and over again. So keep a lookout for those ones. Did some work around looking at suburbs around Wellington, um, which is which was quite good to get into some of that detail. The key point being, yep, seeing some of these Wellington suburbs fall by 20%. Um, but they are still 20% ahead of where they were pre-pandemic. So there's some interesting context that the um, journalist did on that one. So that was good to see. And also got the question around, you know, comparing New Zealand to Australia. It wasn't that long ago where we were sort of the seen as the canary in the coal mine as our market was downturn, you know, was faster and earlier than most people. But the journalist's perspective was that, you know, maybe there's a bit more panic in Australia with values to continue to drop further. Uh, and their comparisons, obviously, back to, you know, their, their downturn being one of the worst they've ever seen. And so does that mean that Australia is starting to become the, the canary in the coal mine? Um, so it's an interesting article to to feed into as well. I still think we're sort of leading them. It's just, and, and the, the key difference really is the Reserve Bank's in each country's different take with the um with the monetary policy tightening, you know, our our reserve bank's still hiking quite high with the OCR, whereas the Reserve Bank in Australia is starting to dial that back. And some of the reasons being things we've spoken about with um, you know, the uh floating rate being favored in Australia. So you've got many more people that are hit immediately once the OCR goes up, whereas in New Zealand it takes some time at those fixed rates. So that's certainly one factor, uh, but lots more that we, we sort of covered in that one. So um that was an interesting article which you can you can find in stuff's um coverage as well. Um, but otherwise, Mark, I think that's pretty much us for the day. 
Um, we've sort of got a few holiday periods coming up with long weekends and things, so that might stuff with some of our record times. But uh, you know, we'll be we'll be out um, Mondays or Tuesdays over the next couple of weeks um, as we go through these these holiday weekends. Um, so be rest assured, we'll still be recording every week. We might just have a little bit of a uh, an adjustment to our record time. So that's another thing I want to mention today. So yeah, any other thoughts before we cruise on out of here today, Calvin? Uh, just going to add on that New Zealand versus Australia comparison. I spoke to another journalist this morning actually about that, and and uh, I don't have it a hundred percent off the top of my head, but I, I think that the wage story is just a little bit different there too, and and that they don't have the same wage inflation as we have, perhaps the same tight labour market. So um, people, uh, it, it sort of adds to that more breathing space, I guess, for their Reserve Bank and the fact that any any official cash rate decision they make they can sort of see that impact sooner. So it gives them a bit more flexibility. You know, they can go a bit smaller and say, okay, we'll only go up by 0.25% this time because we can see we can see the impact sort of sooner. We can judge it sooner. So we don't have to go as fast and try and get ahead of the curve. You know, our reserve bank's acting now for something that, that might not bite for another six or 12 months. So it's a pretty tricky scenario and it's, and it's different. You know, we were pretty similar for a while and now these differences have emerged and, um, like we've talked about, it does raise the scope here for for perhaps a a mistake, which you know I use air quotes there. The Reserve Bank said they're probably happy to make it. You know they'd rather get inflation back in the bottle rather than sort of let it go, and they'll they'll risk a recession. That's a, a risk they're prepared to take. So yeah, different different mentalities, and, and I suppose it does just mean that uh, we might go sort of higher and faster, but but becoming da- coming down sort of sooner and and quicker and earlier and faster as well. So um yeah. That's interesting contrast for sure. Yeah, huge. And and I think this first six months, we kind of got a good feel for things. And then the second six months of this year is going to be really interesting and really dependent on what, what happens in this first six months. So, yeah, definitely one we'll be paying close attention to both here and in Australia too, because I think that comparison will always be made and uh, one that we can, we're in a position where we can be really close to it too, having um, a good relationship with our counterparts in Aussie too. So, yep, keen to keep across that one. Okay, mate, well, I'll close us out then. Um, get on with our busy days and weeks. And um, just want to say thanks again for your uh, insight as per usual. Uh, thanks so much for listening and interacting. Please do subscribe, hit the download button, and feel free to get in touch with us. Our details are all in the show notes within the podcast player you are listening to us in right now. Let me say thanks again. My name's Nick. He's Calvin. You've been listening to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast. Mā tewa.